All right, North South Connection, we are back of No So Network, and I am brought to you with my buddy Tyler. Tyler Kelly, what's going on, man? Not much. How you doing, Ryan? Good, good, good. Of course, Tyler, you are from Four Year Consideration with Good Old Will from Texas. How are you enjoying that so far? Oh, uh, you know, I'm I'm loving it. Uh, I remember listening to those uh, during the first go around of GWWE, so I always really enjoyed them. Enjoyed will and all the guests so i'm i'm happy to be a part of it this time around yes and you do a great job with it we were talking in a gwwe t- chat i'm going to be on a future for your consideration so that also had us talking we were also talking about gwwe podcast ideas gwwe you know information ideas and whatever you know someone came up with a uh, a unique interesting idea of pitting two similar talents from different generations against each other we tabled it for the time being, and you guys did for your consideration. And we said, yeah, later in the year, we'll get to it. But it's a good idea. Kind of, sort of, that's where we are right now. Uh, I think we're going to have like a little pilot, a little give and take, and see how it brings us and where it goes with it and what comes out of it. So is that kind of where you're at with this, too? Yeah, I think you know this is beta testing or, or whatever we'll Kind of, kind of throw this against the wall and see what sticks. But I thought, I think it's a really interesting idea to just pick out two candidates and uh, you'll talk about one, lay out the case for one, and I'll lay out the case for the other, and and we'll just alternate on uh, the different attributes of each one. Yeah, so it's sort of a debate if warranted. It's more of a discussion when warranted, and it's a team activity to kind of lay out a case for two guys with two different prospects of. Um, opinions. I being someone in my mid-30s who is probably like an attitude era, golden era as a child, ruthless, aggressive in high school, and then like PG watcher as an adult. That's like my view of the WIs. And Tyler's, Tyler, what, 10 years on me or so, whatever. So you, uh, you're not yeah, so, that's about right. you know, you're not so checked in on the modern product, but you'll, you know, you'll check in the pay-per-views. You have such a vast knowledge of wwe's history and everything so it's two different perspectives kind of brought together to try to mold two opinions of two lenses on two certain guys i'm not sure where it's going to lead but it's brought us to here right now yeah sounds good so right now we're going to go with gwwe making the case today we're going to be making the case for kofi kingston versus tito santana now tyler where did you rank Tito Santana in 2017 on your GWWE list? So I had Tito Santana at number 24 on my ballot. Uh, he finished 28 on the overall list. Uh, and we were talking a little bit uh, before recording. And I mean, I think he will fall to some degree just because of uh, the work of others and and that sort of thing. Um, so I've got him right around 40 now, um, and I think that's probably about where I would land on him. Um, but that's not to uh, take anything away from his case, which I'll I'll kind of go with here in just a moment. Yes, yeah, interesting. And now in 2017, I ranked Tito 72 out of 100, and that's just me listening to these pods, me watching some valentine stuff some stuff that was suggested to me and then in knowing of 
older Tito. At the time, when I thought of Tito Santana, I thought of Ariba, I thought of Strike Force, and I thought of the El Matador. So I was like, Tito Santana making the like people have him this high. Like, what? Come on, guys, what are we doing here? But you get older and you dive deeper into history, and it was very warranted. You know, is 24 high? Yeah, probably, but 72 is way too low. So I think that just by becoming a more vast wrestling fan, well, with the history or whatever, I believe he is going to climb for me while he will fall for you. So that's two interested, unique takes right there. Yep. Now, Kofi Kingston, in 2017, did you rank him within your top 100? I did not rank him within my top 100. Oh, interesting. All right. Well, I had him at number 93. So he was on the bottom 10 of my list. Uh, Tyler, where did he land in the overall project, 2017? He landed at number 87. So, And, uh, you know, it was kind of brought up in the the chat that got us started down this road that we were kind of comparing these two. uh, and, And it just kept getting in my head that, they do have a pretty similar case, I think. Very different. They get there very in very different ways, but I think that the overall body of their work, I believe, is, is similar. So. Yes, character attributes, similar everything, which we'll get into. But um, is Kofi – real for before we jump into it, is Kofi a part of your rough draft or you have not gotten that far yet? He, he is. Uh, I have him at number 41, so I've got him one spot lower than Tito right now. Because I think that's partly because I kept weighing the two and uh, – and so I've got them right next to each other right now. Well, wow, so that's quite a leap. So not that now you're not weighing just his last five years. You're weighing his whole career. Well, you may have overlooked it in 2017 is what you're kind of is kind of the vibe I'm getting from you. Correct. Um, he definitely in, improved his case. Uh, I I think, you know, we can talk. We'll talk about his highs and lows, but obvious, there's some obvious highs. And and I think just the continued um, high level of the new day goes a long way. So it's not just a main event run. It's also the longevity of the new day and being able to stay entertaining and relevant over that long period of time. Of course, of course. Very cool. All right. So we're going to go look at 10 categories and bang through them. The 10 being longevity, charisma, star power, storylines, flexibility, peak moments, character work, promos, work rate, and then the work resume like his overall match resume. Let's start with longevity. Tyler's going to take Tito's cases, and I'm going to allude to it. I'm going to take Kofi's case, and he'll allude to it. So will we debate? We'll see. But we're going to work together from the start and go from there. So, Tyler, Tito Santana longevity, what do you got? Yeah, so Tito had an initial stint with the WWF in 1979 and 80, and then he joined the company again in 1983 and stayed until mid-1993. So a nice lengthy run, particularly at a time when guys didn't stay in one place for a decade like Tito did. Yeah, pretty good. What would you consider him a upper mid Carter? But in like modern day, would you consider him like a SmackDown or Raw B-show high champion, like Universal or WWE champion? That's equal to his run in the 80s as an IC champ? Yeah, um, this is where it gets so difficult to compare between the eras because i think that that's right i think his early career when we talk about a lot of his his peak moments i think that intercontinental title run that he had i think that could definitely be a championship of in the during the brand split you know it it might not be the top 
belt, but he could definitely be the secondary belt. I think it was would be at least equal to that. I think that his role with the company over time, he was sliding down the card, right? You mentioned El Matador, and, and I think that just the timing of his career kind of leads to some of his work being forgotten or overlooked because he's not he, – he does a lot of work right as the rock and wrestling era is starting, but it's kind of on the back burner. It's not in the pay-per-views and such. So um, it was a big, big part of it, but a lot of those were happening on house shows and maybe some syndicated TV. So when you dive into that, you know, you find some some good stuff, I think. Yeah, very cool, very cool. I just wanted to kind of throw that out there, weighing their longevity, because now I'm going to look at Kofi. Kofi's longevity is even, let's talk before the New Day real quick, before we get into the last five years. Just real quick, he's in and out of tag teams, CM Punk, R-Truth, Evan Bourne, just in and out of tag teams. He has a nice, what, six to nine months start in ECW, where he establishes himself as a good hand. You know, he does. He flirts with the ECW championship a little bit, but really, they, he catches the eye of a weaker Raw roster at the time, and they need mid-carders, so they grab him there. He wins a bunch of Intercontinental Championships, a bunch of U.S. Championships, but this isn't the time. You look at Tito as an Intercontinental Champion, I would say this is a much lesser spot as Intercontinental Champion, just to kind of throw that out there. He's a Money in the Bank highlight. He's a Royal Rumble highlight. Longevity is there, but it's substantially in the mid-card with, all right, this guy's a glue guy in big matches. This guy is... He can make an up up and comer, so he's very valuable in that aspect. And then in tail ends of 2014, um, there's a new day idea. So they link up, and I want to say the summer of 2014, and all of them are pulled from TV for a few months, and they're thrown together as the new day. And it kind of flops at first. They perceive to be baby faces, but they're portrayed as heels, you know, through the office or whatever. So. They overcome that, and then around WrestleMania 32 time, they kind of catch fire. They get that long title reign where they're champions for pretty much all of 2016, I want to say. They beat Demolition's record and so on and so forth. When the brand split happens, their mainstays on SmackDown. If they're on Raw, they're, they're always the top tag team, so they're always in the mix consistently. And then 2019, a little thing called Kofi Mania, happenstance, goodwill, Right place at right time, Kofi Mana catches on in Elimination Chamber the week before Mustafa Lee gets hurt with on a spot with Randy Orton. And old reliable, like earlier I was talking about, Kofi Kingston's there. And they plug him in. The week before where they're deciding on slots, like who's going to get the last slot, they have a gauntlet match, which is now a, a pattern with them in, before the Elimination Chamber. And he just catches fire and it's just this organic build and then that organic build spills over to the elimination chamber and then Kofi Mena has this organic sustainable build for the first time in a long time before like Orton cut his nuts off we'll talk about later on this is definitely his peak yada 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 we're here Kofi Mena happens we'll get there but overall longevity wise 2018 to current product he is within the main st- I would say he was be he's a tech above the mid card and a tick below the upper mid card on average never really had a spot where he was in terrible matches or bad tv so i would say his longevity is is strong yeah no doubt he's been there forever you know he's been like i say entertaining and parts of a, a really hot act with the new day for for quite a while 
Um, I think, and, and probably the main reason he didn't make my list last time is I didn't connect with his pre-New Day work that much. I mean, you you kind of hit on it, Ryan, that it was, you know, he won a lot of IC titles or US titles or, you know, just, he was always that good hand in the mid card, but it seemed pretty interchangeable. And that's just simply a a product of the times. So that it's a product of the different eras that both have, you know, they all, every era has some advantages and disadvantages. And that's why I think these this comparison is interesting. So far, after longevity, where you at? You think we're equal? You think we're moving uh, up? Yeah, I mean, Kofi might have a, a little edge again. A little I, edge. I, I think you've got to kind of work great on a, a bit of a curve depending on the eras, but um, I think it's a plus for both of them. I would be my absolutely, absolutely yes. I would say definitely yep. a plus for both of them. I would yeah, for sure. I would say a plus for both of them, but I would give Kofi a little bit up, a little bit, little just a little up. Just to, yeah. just to keep track, just to reference at the end. All right, so Charisma, where are you at with Tito Santana and Charisma? So so I think Tito was very charismatic in the ring. He was able to get the crowd behind him everywhere he went through his in-ring work, his selling, his baby face fire. Uh, I think he was, you know, I think that was all just an all-time great, you know, selling and, and baby face fire. So I think he had that charisma in the ring. And it's funny that you say that because <laughs> – when you said charisma in the ring, I thought of Kofi Kingston, or I thought of Kofi Kingston charisma as a background player within the New Day, and during their entrances, during their segments, during their everything, his facials, his uh, his mannerisms, all that stuff. He's just the embodiment of like a cartoon character come to life sometimes, which is a part of his charisma. I wouldn't think that charisma would be like a wicked high tech, but I don't think it's a, a, a negative on either of guys. I think it would it'd be uh there's so much more volume with Kofi, but in ring charisma, I would give the edge to Tito, but overall charisma, because with the vibrance of the background and the vibrance of the new day, Kofi adds a lot to that. I don't know on that charisma, honestly. I would say equal mark. <laughs> yeah, and it it is that's charisma's kind of one of those things that you can have it in different ways. So yes. uh Tito is certainly not a guy that has charisma like The Rock has charisma, where he just walks into the room and, you know, pro, we'll, yep. we'll get to promos and I'll be honest about that. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, when someone would listen to this, um, their definition of charisma might be different than our definition of charisma. And if you do look up charisma in the dictionary, I don't think you're going to see either of these guys. But the way that you mentioned that, like Kofi's background charisma, the way I mentioned it, and the way you mentioned Tito's in-ring charisma, I would definitely say it's a part of their act. Yeah, I would agree. And then you would base that however you want. Yeah. All right. So star power. Yeah. 1984 to 1985, Tito Santana star power was through the roof, in my opinion. But overall, before 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 I get to it, what do you think star power with Tito Santana? So so I did say that I I wouldn't say that he has great star power. He was a solid, popular mid card babyface. Um, he wasn't larger than life. He was he was kind of a man of the people. Um, they were behind him, and he always connected with them. Uh, he could work lower on the card and still give the people someone that they cared about from opening matches, or he could close down a hot MSG show with Valentine. Uh, so, and and I kind of said that because I I would have said main evented. Um, I didn't want if someone that's more familiar with the MSG shows might say, well, they did the main event before uh, 
a, a, a intermission or whatever. That may be the case. I'm not sure, but I know they closed down the place uh, with hot matches several times. Uh, he was also in the Hulk Hogan rock and wrestling cartoon, so he has that going for him for star power, for whatever that's worth. Yeah, and he has that, before I jump to Kofi, but he also has that legacy star power act, too. Even as El Matador, he can work with a Shawn Michaels and make him. He can work with a Mountie on the, in, at a WrestleMania 7 in a squash match and add power to his rise. He has a lot of star power goodwill. Even when you see him now at conventions, his lines are long, and he's got that star power to him. So I would say that it's, I think he might have undersold it a little bit, but I know that you know, just as a 1985 watcher right now, as I chronologically go through it for another project I'm working on, I just, whenever he's in ring, whenever his name's announced, his his pop is much bigger than a lot of the guys in the company at the time. So I think that well, it's not Hulk Hogan level, like you said earlier, it's not the rock level or whatever. It's there and it's like an up, it's a solid upper mid card trusted guy that we love. Star power with Kofi Kingston. His star power peaks within the New Day, in my opinion. The New Day as a whole is like a top 10 act for these guys, probably, right? Um, if you look at Big E, for instance, right? This is, this doesn't not, had nothing to do with Kofi, but it, it makes my point. So if when you looked at Big E's title run, he struggled selling merchandise as Big E. And that's kind of a little bit too why they might be down on it a little bit. But they trusted him because of the star power of the New Day and the way that they sell merchandise. Now, 2021-2022 current day is a lot different on how you look at drawing power. Merchandising is actually a way that they would look at drawing powder, where you mentioned to Tito with his closing of MSG month after month after month when Hogan's not around. That's different drawing power with different star power. So it's it's this is where the different errors get a little murky. I think Kofi Kingston's star power has a lot to do with the New Day. So Kofi Kingston on his own is not as big as big a star as the New Day. Tito Santana with Rick Martel is not as big as Tito Santana in his heyday. So star power wise, everything related to I would give the check to Tito Santana here. Okay, yeah, um, I think I agree with everything you said that, you know, there's a lot of power, star power with the New Day, um, and then when they branch out on their own, it's kind of a mixed bag, and look, I think that is a bit of a of a product of the current era, and, you know, I, I'm not, I, I think a lot of people are, have some issues with the booking, um, and I, I think it often does the performers no favors and yes i think that's where that this shows up so yeah it's very hit and miss it can totally make a guy as it did at kofi mania and it could totally bury a guy as it does more time often than not (laughs) so um but overall it's a constant and i don't know if new day gets here now without the star power of kofi in the beginning so keep that in mind too so when you think of kofi kingston on this list you're gonna have to weigh all of that i'm just voicing my opinion that kofi kingston within the New Day, is bigger than Kofi Kingston standing alone. So, honestly, I'm going to give the check to Tito at Star Power. So, Tyler, where are you at with Tito Santana and flexibility? Tito only worked babyface. Um, so, you know, he, he doesn't have that heel run in him. Uh, it's hard for me to hold that against him because I, I can't imagine that you would want to turn him heel because, for my money, he was one of the best babyface workers ever. So, he 
he did work singles and tags. Uh, he was in some great short-term tags with guys like Ricky Steamboat, which we'll talk about, and uh, JYD at WrestleMania 2. And then, of course, he was in Strike Force, uh, which was a really hot team that I think uh, gets a little bit forgotten about. Uh, had a really short run, but I think a really good one. Um, and he could also work different places on the card. Uh, like I said, he could be closing down the MSG house shows or being in the opening match of the first WrestleMania. Yes. So just because you're a home run baby face in the upper mid card, how much you want to ding him for never being really a, a heel? That's on you because of such the, you know, not many guys can pull off being such a reliable baby face as Tito did. And that's kind of funny how that relates to Kofi Kingston and his flexibility because he's kind of on the same boat early in his career where he's just a straight out blue eyed baby face where he's just bone bare bones, mid card baby face, use them where you need them, build them who you want, give them a little run. That's Kofi Kingston SOS really to Tito with, like you said, with Ricky and with the JYD and even with Rick Martel later, Kofi Kingston was able to be had tons of flexibility as a tag team wrestler, too, with the guys I talked about earlier. But really, the flexibility comes to us as within the New Day. Within the New Day, he can be a manager. Within the New Day, he can be the hot tag. Within the New Day, he can take all the sympathy. Within the New Day, he can carry stories. He can be the veteran, the trusted veteran that's always attacked or leaned on within stories. There's a lot of minutiae. Um, flexibility within his role in the New Day. So the New Day is a top five tag team on anyone's list, I would assume. So they don't get there without the flexibility of Kofi within there. Because there were times where he was also a heel, especially at the start of that. The heel run gave him the credibility with the fans to have that withstand babyface run. Like I said, there's some little minutiae flexibility within there. But overall, Babyface heel, there hasn't been much flexibility, but also there's tons of flexibility up and down the card, and it depends how you want to rate his flexibility as a world champion compared to an IC champion, which we'll probably get to later. But flexibility-wise, oof, uh, I might give a little tick to Kofi. What say you? No, I I would agree with that. I think Kofi has shown more flexibility um, because he's kind of been that mid-carder. He's been tag team. You talk about how there are times he's playing a manager role in New Day, which I hadn't thought of, but I think that's a really good point, and I think that's that's fair to give him credit for that. And then he had that main event run, um, and you know he he did a good job with it while he had it. Um, so so yeah, I, I if I were uh, doing a scorecard, I think I would give flexibility to Kofi as well. So no problem with that. Cool. All right, speaking of Main event runs. We got peak moments here. What are some of Tito Santana's peak moments, and how would you weigh them? He held tag team titles with Ivan Putsky in 79 and 80 in his first stint. Uh, They defeated the Valiants, and they lost them to the Wild Samoans. That's really more a line item on the resume. Uh, I I watched some of those tag team matches for the tag team project. 70s and into early 80s. Tag teams were not my jam. Uh, Ivan Putsky is not good. So uh, just just note that, that he had that tag run. Uh, he then defeated Don Morocco for the IC title. He was in the first match in WrestleMania history, which I do think is significant. Uh, Agree. 
he then he had that great feud with Valentine, losing the IC title, winning it back in a cage match. Valentine's destroying the IC belt afterwards. So that's a memorable moment. Um, and, you know, I, I talk a lot more about that feud when we get into some of the in-ring stuff. Um, so it, it, it isn't a uh, it, it's more of an overall picture than any particular moments. But the, the cage match was a definitive blow off. Um, he won the tag titles from the Hart Foundation as part of Strike Force. So he is now a two time tag champion as well as a two time IC champion. Um, and then Rick Martel turning on him at WrestleMania five was mm-hmm. a memorable moment in a good match. Um, and he appeared at the first nine WrestleManias, which is something that only Hulk Hogan can say. So other yes. than Tito. So I think those are kind of his resume peak moments. And I've got, you know, in, in storylines, I've got some other kind of highlights. So, so I wasn't sure how to break those out, but I'll talk about those when we get to it. Yeah, very cool. Um, Kofi Kingston, one-time WWE champion. Kofi Kingston, four-time Intercontinental champion. Kofi Kingston, three-time United States champion. Kofi Kingston, seven-time SmackDown, six-time Raw, and one-time World Tag Team champion. So that's a 14-time Tag Team champion. That's insane. <laughs> He's a Grand Slam winner. He's a Triple Crown winner. Slammy Award winner, accolades through the roof, Kofi Kingston. A lot of them are mid-cards, but that is a lot of quality WWE TV that he would fill. Outside of that, he was the anchor in the early WrestleMania Money in the Banks, leading in the, leading into the pay-per-view Money in the Banks, where he was relied on for so many memorable moments. And before Kofi Mania, you thought of him as the Royal Rumble inficionado spot taker. <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And he hit a home run every time before this year. (laughs) But if you watch the 2022 Royal Rumble, that's kind of symbolized it. (laughs) In a nutshell, Kofi Kingston finally mixed up. But, hey, we had a bad rumble. Everyone did. So Kofi Kingston, I think I believe he started it in 2012 all the way up to 2021. Um, I don't think he missed many, but he had a memorable spot within it. And I'm sure if you watched them right now on a, a highlight reel, you would remember them all. Um, some goofy, some not. But overall, that was where he was at before Kofi Mania. Um, Kofi Mania had a fantastic build that I talked about earlier a little bit. Not a lot of people in modern day gets a, get a Vince McMahon rub. Maybe Vince McMahon felt Kofi Mania might have needed a little the old man's sign of approval so he you know kofi inserted himself uh, vince inserted himself into that storyline so that's a little nugget too that kind of people forget about the camaraderie within the new day leading up to kofi mania is also a symbolize of how great kofi is and how loved he is and you know that doesn't have to do with jump up moments but added to it and then kofi mania in that fantastic match with daniel bryan who is a much higher guy on this list than most guys but that shouldn't take away Kofi Mania spot. Um, that match was fantastic. I had that four and three quarters. It's an all time. It killed the rest of the show. Um, I was there live. It was fantastic. Kofi Mania was a thing. The fallout wasn't really a thing, but that the moment I wouldn't change it for anything. And it, it just to put a stamp on. If his career ended right there, it, it, it would symbolize him as someone still rising up the, the card from earlier in 2017. So overall, jumpable moments. Those are kind of that. All the titles, uh, the Money in the Bank. The Rumbles and of course Kofi Mania. We'll get a, we'll get a little more into the follow afterwards, but 
those are his jump up moments for me. Yeah, and Kofi has more peak moments here. I mean, I don't think that's. I would say Kofi has the volume for sure. Yep. And then you as a fan, if you, how do you want to weigh Kofi Mania versus the IC uh, cage match? Yeah, well, and one thing that I do think kind of hurts the the Valentine and Tito feud is that I don't think the cage match was their best match by quite a bit. I, I'm as I rewatched it, you know, every time I've watched it, I've been a little disappointed. I just think it's going to be better, and it just, you know, yeah. it's like a, the refrigerator match that I think JT talked about. You go to the refrigerator and you look in, and you're just there. And then, you think there's going to be something in there that wasn't there. And I feel like that cage match is a little bit that way. I think a lot of the other matches that I'll, you know, I'll talk about them are, are really good, but I mean, I think so, Kofi mania is, is above that. So I would, I would agree that it's probably Kofi, but you as a fan, I'm just help, you know helping you weigh to not to take away from Tito to help you weigh it out. Yeah. I think that uh, eventually there, there's going to be some of this that's going to come down to personal tastes, but I'll, you know, I would concede peak moments to go yeah i'm just trying to make a case for it to be close all right so storylines outside of the valentine storyline what other storyline would you go to with tito or is the valentine storyline i think everyone agree is that that's his one but is there anything else to add to the case or do you want to get into that valentine storyline i want to do both i I, i'm going to start with the valentine storyline i do have some others so the most well-known one is of course the Valentine feud over the IC title, and what part of what makes this so great is it it just builds on itself. Okay, so it started with Valentine winning on kind of a cheap countout, Tito slingshotting back into the ring and making a cover, but uh, just as he was slingshotting in, the ref counted ten. So Valentine was in the ring and, and Tito was outside. Um, so then it escalates. So Valentine gets a rematch. It escalates in their next encounter when Valentine injures Tito's leg by applying the figure four after the match. Uh, and then the next match is where Valentine wins the IC title. Uh, after Tito kind of cel- he celebrated a two count, Valentine got his foot under the ropes. So Tito thought he won, celebrated kind of like a moron, even though it was just a pretty obvious two count. Uh, and then Valentine clips Tito's knee that he injured before and keeps working on it, gets the figure four, wins the title. Um, and then they had a match where uh, they come back, Tito's all fire, and it was a nice brawl. It ended in DQ after a chair got involved. Valentine's bleeding all over the place. So, like I say, things are just building. Uh, the next match was a great match in November of 84, where Tito, he remained more calm. He seemed more focused in order to win the title. But then... Uh, the Madison Square Garden curfew expired, uh, which is a bunch of bullshit we don't know about in the Midwest. But apparently uh, Madison Square Garden had a curfew when 11 o'clock came around. That was the end of the matches and everybody got out of the building. Um, <laughs> yep. They, they use it to terrible effect in some of those 70s shows that I'd uh, watch trying to sort out my tag team list. But this was a case where I think they used it to good effect. Um, and Tito eventually wins the title back in that famous cage match in Baltimore in July that we talked about. And as I said, I thought that cage match is a little disappointing. And I think if it was more of an intense brawl to blow off the feud, the feud would be more appreciated. Uh, I think the escape the cage rules really hurt it. I just, I hate those. And what I was looking for is something more along the lines of, you know, Jim Crockett promotions or WCW's, you know, Starcade 
bloody cage match, and that's just not what that was. So, and I think that's partly due to the escape the cage rules, but it is what it is. So, following the Valentine feud, now Tito's the IC champion. He starts feuding with Randy Savage, defending his IC title. Um, and they have incredible matches as well. So, uh, he he loses the title to Savage when he uses a foreign object and he punches Tito uh, for the win at the Boston Garden. And they would have a number of rematches throughout the summer. I uh, have some great ones, including a um, a no DQ match at Madison Square Garden on April 22nd, 86. And I'll talk about that in the matches as well. Um, and But any Tito Savage matches, check those out because they're really great. Um, but in addition to that match, the, the match where Savage wins the title, Danny Davis was the referee of that match. And uh, Davis also cost the British Bulldogs the tag team titles. So that leads to the six-man match, the Hart Foundation and Davis against Tito and the Bulldogs at WrestleMania three. The next one that I have is Tito joins forces with Rick Martel because Martel had been battling the Islanders with his former partner, Tom Zink in the Can-Am connection. And then Zink quits. And so then they, they acknowledge that on TV. They, they talk about how his partner quit and left him and, but you know, Fiery babyface Ricky Martel is still going to fight the good fight against the Islanders. So he gets double teamed a few times. Tito comes to his aid and they form Strike Force, had really good matches. They won the tag titles from the Hart Foundation, another very good match. And they held on to them until WrestleMania 4 when they lose them to Demolition. And that's a memorable match, although in one of the highlights of that show, more for Demolition's win. Uh, then for strike force, but you know, that's still, that's a memorable match on a very, you know, very big show or WrestleMania. Uh, and then what was another memorable moment was Martel turning on Santana during the WrestleMania five match against the brain busters. So, you know, strike force was a great baby face team and gets kind of forgotten because they're short run and, and Martel had an injury, right? Kind of a, an ill-timed injury, but then I think that turn was another memorable moment, good storyline. So th- those are the one main ones that I had, though. All right, so Kofi would, early on, his biggest foe would be probably Dolph Ziggler and The Miz. The Miz's descent from the main event scene and then uh, Ziggler's rise up the mid-card. Um, I would say Ziggler is definitely his best opponent in his early in his career. Which would lead to Orton, that brief Orton feud. Kind of brief, but that feud with Orton in Raw on like 09, where he calls him stupid in that spot in that triple threat match with Orton and Cena, and Kofi kind of is pegged as a guy as a riser, and then Orton kind of fucks him a little bit, calls him stupid because he jumps up a little bit too much early for a spot, and Orton's kind of a prick at the time. So, but that plays into later Kofi. Um, so Kofi's kind of just stuffed back down in the card, and then he fires him away in the New Day. New Day, of course, is their biggest rivals is the Usos, where they constantly go back and forth <laughs> on SmackDown for the most part as just back and forth rivals. 2017 is the banner year at the peak of this. Later in 2021, in, in, leading into day one, where they probably had their best match outside of that cage match at Hell in a Cell, or that pre, pre-SummerSlam match in 17. Uh, but overall, Usos are definitely 
another team that's in top 10 team of all time. And when I, of course, when a top 10 team and a top five team of all time go at it, of course, there's going to be a great rivalry and there's a reason why they're there. Brian is his best rival, even though it's fuck three, four weeks. <laughs> tops. Like seriously, it's a month if that, but leading to WrestleMania, it's the peak of his career. And Daniel Bryan has a lot to do with that. It's hard to say Daniel Bryan is your best storyline when it's only a month, but hell, it brought to, brought him to his biggest and best moment. So Bryan's there, but this is real quick. This is Kofi S champion, Kevin Owens. People aren't going to boo Kevin. Kevin Owens is coming off a babyface run. Kevin Owens was supposed to be in that spot before Ali was supposedly was supposed to get it where Kofi took it because of injury. Kevin Owens was in the new day for a few weeks leading up to the, to the angle. Um, the Money in the Bank 19 match had no steam. Um, Kofi Kim can come out out of WrestleMania had no steam. Kevin Owens was kind of a flop. Leads to Ziggler. Ziggler was actually his best opponent in ring. <laughs> but they had so much chemistry leading to earlier in their career. I can see why. Kofi Ziggler was his best in ring opponent on two shows or three shows maybe even. I think the, But I think the best match was like a two out of three SmackDown match. I think that's Kofi's overall best match as WWE champion was a two out of three fall SmackDown match with Dolph Ziggler. And that's that's a symbol of just how depressing his run at WWE champion was. A quick few with Samoa Joe for a few months for a month. And then Randy Orton, you got two months, two to three months out of Randy Orton. You got some good stuff storyline wise, but in ring, it just didn't click Um, the SummerSlam match was pretty disappointing with the hype that it got. And then the Clash of Championship match is kind of the same boat. And then it comes to a screeching hall right when at SmackDown went to Fox and Brock Lesnar beat him in nine seconds. That's kind of the storylines for Kofi. That's the storyline as champ. Six months, which peaked right away (laughs) and peaked in the build so great build for kofi mania pretty rough fallout so that to me this is kind of hard to grade where would you go i guess i think that everything that you said about um about kofi prior to kofi mania is just kind of interchangeable whoever is on his level he's feuding with the zigglers or or whatever and it usually winds up being good matches, but there I feel like there's often not a storyline at all. Or good filler, is, no substance. Yeah, yeah. And even I agree that I love everything that the New Day and the Usos do. I mean, you could just plug them in almost forever, and they almost have. It's just there's often it's just been throw out two of the top five teams we've ever had and let them have great matches. So, yeah, and so I think that, there were that, times that it was more. But. However, you want to weigh that substance, correct? Yeah, yeah. So the, the Kofi Mania, you know, that's that's a really good storyline. So uh, for me, I would go with Tito on this one because I think that, and and again, this is really more the eras. These are really two guys that are are products of their eras in some of their strengths and some of their weaknesses. So I mean, I feel like the storylines were better in, you know, in the eighties. And I, I think Tito was parts of storylines that I found more compelling and, and everyone's uh, mileage may vary on all that. So of course, so WWE, it seems like nowadays WWE is building to moments when back in the day they would build to stories. Right. So this is just the perfect culmination of that. Um, Kofi mania is more of a moment than it is a story. Tito and Valentine is a story. Um, Tito and 
whatever in the 80s you you laid out is a story now wwe is building to moments however you want to weigh that it's kind of the same category in the njtw system so that's kind of funny but for the storyline aspect i agree it's tito all right so the next one we're going to look at is promos how <laughs> i wouldn't when i think of promos i wouldn't think of either of these guys but hey what do you what do you say tito santana promos <laughs> I would say Tito Santana's promos is a mixed bag at best, uh, with most of his promos being memorable for comedic reasons, including uh, the promo after Greg Valentine injured his leg by applying the figure four. uh, He was constantly referring to Lord Alfred Hayes simply as Lord. So I'm unsure if he thought that was his entire name or he thought he was Jesus. But just saying, oh, Lord, I I suppose that did sell the pain and he was selling it like crazy, but he just would kept saying, Lord, I'm doing this. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, the pain. (laughs) So uh, another comically bad promo was with Martell when Strikeforce got their name. They kind of had a cheesy moment saying that they would strike with force. Then Martell, who's equally slick on the mic, said, yeah, strike with force. We'll be Strikeforce. Strikeforce. And it was all very, like, 80s cheesy movie but you know it was the 80s and it was kind of a cheesy time so uh i do think tito could show nice fire for example in the aforementioned lord promo uh, he was i'm not exactly sure what he was saying because he switched to spanish at one point uh, but he was fiery so uh, that's about the extent of uh tito's promo skills i think it's it was definitely not a strength of his so yeah, you would. I could make a case that promos are hurting these guys' case on their prospect of being higher on the list. Um, Kofi Kingston, like I said earlier, I, I would think of him more of a mannerism guy, more of a charisma guy within those mannerisms than an actual promo. And I think a lot of the blahness of Kofi Mania had to do with the his promo ability. And before New Day, forget about it. Kofi as a promo, just not there. It would still, again mannerisms with with orton segments with orton where he's pouring orange paint on a race car or whatever that's memorable moment it's a memorable moment is not his promo so i would say ixnay on the promo a for kofi (laughs) kingston (laughs) can we just go equal equal sign on both these guys (laughs) yeah sure (laughs) just to make it equal character work oh Already, right, let's go. You want to give a little, you want to give a little notch to uh, Tito with the Ariba? Is that considered promo? Or is that considered yeah. character work? Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. Um, I had down for his character work that he's the best wrestling bullfighter in history. So change my mind. <laughs> uh, that, El, uh, El Torito. <laughs> shit. <laughs> I, I'd forgotten that that was even a, a thing, but. Uh, Hey, I, I was quick with it. I, I <laughs> you are. You are. So um, Tito was your prototypical white meat baby face. There wasn't a lot of character depth there other than he was also Mexican. So and that's kind of the way that that played out during a lot of the uh, more so kind of when Hogan was really the thing, you know, like I would mentioned, he was on the cartoon and I actually concerned. I, I would hate to go rewatch that. So I'm sure there are plenty of jokes that would seen through 2022 eyes probably wouldn't look that great but but that was basically the extent of tito's character so and you funny that you say that his part of his character was being mexican because early on part of kofi kingston character was being jamaican 
that's kind of another, you know, a little comparison why we thought these two guys would work well together. Similarity wise. Yeah, they, they, they go very well together, but yeah, character work. So you had fun loving Jamaican Kofi, which Triple H stole is said, you're not Jamaican or you speak English or whatever. So that memorable moment there. Which led to American Kofi, well, not really American Kofi, but Kofi Kingston as in Jamaican colors, but not a Jamaican. So, again, not much character work there again, which brings us to the New Day Kofi, which is probably the most memorable Kofi. But again, he is a third of that. I don't know. Character work and promos are definitely the worst case for Kofi. Do we have another equal sign or who would you give the character work to here? Yeah, or or. I mean, in my mind, I would probably think of Kofi perhaps as a stronger character work because of the New Day. Uh, you know, like you said, it's a third of it. But but I think that they have a lot of good work in their segments and, and just being entertaining. So, you know, if I had to uh, had to pick one or the other, I would probably give that nod to Kofi. All right, Kofi. All right. Well, I, I, I would say it's a small check mark, but I could also see a Tito, a Tito side, too. So we'll go from there. All right. So work rate. We're not talking the matches. We're talking in-ring wrestling ability. Tito Santana, what do you got? Yeah. So to me, this is where Tito makes his case. This is his greatest strength, in my opinion. So he was the ultimate white meat baby facing 80s WWF. He always had the fans with him because he knew how to structure a match to garner sympathy without looking weak or looking like an idiot, uh, thinking he'd won on to notwithstanding in, in one of the Valentine matches. But he had great fire, so his babyface shine segments to start always got the crowd excited. Uh, he was an excellent seller when the heel inevitably turned the tide, hopefully through cheating, and he'd work in hope spots to keep from losing the crowd. When it was time for his comeback, that babyface fire was there. And, and I think that there really is an art to it. I've uh, I've heard or, or read that Ricky Steamboat talked about it, and he said you can't just sell the whole match. You can't just take a shit kicking the entire match from the heel. You have to know. He said I, I and Steamboat I think had a formula. He'd take like three moves and then he'd fire back with a hope spot, of, you know, just a punch or two. And you can see Tito doing it the same way. Um, they just know how to do that and keep the crowd, you know, Ricky Morton's another guy that just all of those guys just had that timing down. Um, and, you know, Tito really had a way of conveying intensity and importance to the match, which you can see ramping up during that Valentine feud, uh, the flying forearm or as Jesse called it, the flying burrito. I thought that was a great finisher for the time it was exciting he could hit it out of nowhere he could hit it on anybody uh, and it was enough to put away jobbers and it, it was kind of handy because it gave an out in a competitive match if that he could hit it and it, have it not be the finish because the opponent could just roll out of the ring rather than kick it out, out or be pinned uh, tito brought energy and i usually wish his matches went longer which i think is a real testament to him uh, I was never bored. He didn't sit around in any rest holds. Uh, and as I mentioned before, Vince McMahon trusted him to have a good match so much that he put him in the opener of the first WrestleMania and, and against, you know, the executioner. So it was not, it was kind of a nothing match. So, uh, which um, I don't think I've mentioned this yet. It doesn't really fit here, but 
think about that WrestleMania one happened right kind of in the middle of the Valentine and Santana feud. And if they would have had a match of any kind on that card, I, I think of how much differently both Santana and, and probably Valentine as well, how much more fondly they might be remembered uh, by fans that didn't see some of their earlier work. So, yeah, we, we got a ham fisted JYD Valentine match that went nowhere and did nothing. Yeah. Kofi work rate wise, um, white meat baby face for the most part. I don't think he's as good as a seller as Tito. It's, it's, it's a little different era. You need to be moving and shaking a lot more now than Tito's very psychology based off offense and very psychology based selling on defense or whatever. You get what I'm saying? But yeah, Kofi Kingston, it's hard to he. I don't want to say he, he's like a spot guy within the WWE system. But that could be the best way of putting it. And I don't want that to be a, to sound like a diss, because when you think of Spock guy, you're like, oh, he don't know how to work or whatever. But he, he, everything he, he builds up to those big, memorable spots within his system. I, I would say he's a better striking wise. He's definitely a better kicker than puncher. He's probably like a, a weak puncher, <laughs> to put it not that way. He's not going to go out there and grapple much. But even in his Brian match, he did. And he did, you know, he has some of that where it's a little little mat-based style with Brian where it showed he can do it. And he does have a mat-based style sometimes when it's two. But um, overall, I would say rate his work rate, I'd probably go B plus within the WWE system, building up to his high-flying high action. Um, it's very well. You know what I mean? If he, Outside of a WWE structure where he had a little more flexibility, we might, he might be looked at a little bit better. But within that WWE system, I think he maximizes his potential, if that doesn't understand. But overall work rate, I would give Tito the upper hand, just based off everything you said. I would as well, but I this is kind of where I said this will be a different different strokes for different folks. And, and depending on your preferences, this is kind of where it comes into play, because um, I, I do prefer uh, some of Tito's work. But that's not to say that Kofi was bad. Um he just he gets there in a little different ways, does more moves and more high flying spots. And that's OK. I mean, yeah. it's, it's not as much my cup of tea, but that I do think Kofi does that well. And uh, I I often like those kind of some story based matches better. Uh, I think they did that better in the 80s and the 90s than they t- tend to do now. I think the match with Daniel Bryan is kind of that's a kind of an exception i mean it was the storyline as well uh and, and i've talked about on for your consideration some about how much credit we give to daniel bryan there and and we i do i'm still always amazed that he can turn himself heel as easily as he does for as good a worker as he is when a lot of other people have really struggled with that uh, but i want to say here that i i don't say that to take away from what kofi did kofi more than held up his end of the bargain and yeah and, and that's at least in part because he had goodwill with the fans based on that decade plus decade and a half however long he's been there uh, you know he had a, a good relationship with the fans and it paid off with Kofi Mania so so I would give it to Tito but I, I want to give some some praise Kofi's way since yeah. praise Kofi's way as well they're just playing within different playbooks but the way that Tito structured a match told a story within that structure and really was so tight with within that work rate it's i would definitely give the edge to tito but to give kofi a little credit too there's not many spots 
times before leading up to the Daniel Bryan match where he was put in that spot that go on and put on a WrestleMania classic. And he totally did. And he totally lived up to the hype. So maybe he could have done a little, a little bit within a little bit more within his lane, but he delivered one asked upon. So work rate Tito Santana for sure. But I don't, you know, I don't think it's that big of a gap, but resume or the last category here is resume. What, what are you going to, what would you give me for resume for Tito Santana? Make his okay. case resume wise. Yeah, so I've, I've got quite a few of them here. Uh, so the first one is in the Valentine feud. Eleven twenty six eighty four is the date of that. Um, and I believe that I, I can't remember if these were both at MSG. Um, that's my favorite one. I think I had it at four and a quarter. Uh, the next one was uh, January twenty first of nineteen eighty five, and I think that was in the same you know, four, four and a quarter range. Um, and what I can do, uh, Ryan, when this drops, I've, I've got some YouTube links that I can put in the comments because I think that, uh, any fans that aren't familiar with some of this work, I, I think that they'll, uh, be surprised at, at some of these matches. Cause these were all like house show matches that I think probably aired on, uh, the MSG network or whatever, wherever they happen to occur. Some Baltimore, of them are in Philly, yeah. Baltimore. Yep. So um, the next one, this one I think might be his best match. So this is a total, totally random match. He teams with Ricky Steamboat against uh, the future dream team of Greg Valentine and Brutus Beefcake. The date is 421.85. Uh, and I just think this is one of the best tag matches of the 80s. So it's, again, you know, completely random, but, you know, two of the best baby faces ever teaming up against Valentine and Beefcake. So uh, that's a match that if people haven't seen that, go out of your way to see it. Uh, once this drops, I'll try to drop a link in the comments. So um, I had the WrestleMania 2 tag, uh, which is not a match on the same level as the first three I mentioned, but he is teaming with the Junkyard Dog against Haas and Terry Funk, and it's one of the best matches on that card, probably along with the other tag of the, the Bulldogs and the Dream Team. So I thought that they should get some love there because I think Tito probably carried his team on that. Um, and the next match I had is versus Randy Savage from 421-86. That one was at MSG. And that is another strong contender for his one of Tito's best match in the WWE. That is just an amazing, crazy brawl of a match. So, And uh, I found an, another one with Savage that was also very good. It looked very similar. I, it looked like it was part of the same house show loop. Uh so anything you can find from those guys, you know, is well worth it. Um, I have the Hart Foundation title win, which aired on the Primetime Wrestling 11-12-87. Uh, Strike Force had some really good matches against the Islanders, who I, I think is another, I think the Islanders are another kind of under the radar team. Uh, on, I have a date of 10-3-87. I thought that was a great match. Uh, and they also had a two out of three falls match on primetime wrestling of uh, 53088. Uh, I had the Strike Force versus Brainbusters match at WrestleMania 5, which is probably more story than match, but I thought it was good. There was good work 
and you're kind of around that story. Um, another one that's kind of a under the radar maybe, but th this is one that I just have maybe, I may be the biggest fan of, and that is when Tito teamed up with the Rockers to take on Rick Martel and the Rougeos from SummerSlam 89. I just think that is a super fun six-man tag. That I really wanted to work that into my uh, top 100 WWE matches of all time, but I, I just couldn't find a spot for it. Um, Tito has a really good match against Mr. Perfect on Saturday night's main event in 1990. And a pretty fun match with Ric Flair at the SummerSlam Spectacular. The date of that is 8-23-92. And I did see on Cage Match that he had a half-hour match with Flair on one of their overseas tours that I don't know if there's any footage of that out there, but I thought that is a match that I would really enjoy seeing. Yeah, I'd like to see that too. Yeah. So yeah, Tito has a plethora of very good matches to, or great matches that you just laid out. Um, Kofi's is a different mixed bag. A lot of it is ladders where like a lot of his high end stuff is ladders. If it's like, Usos, Lucha Dragons, New Day from TLC 15. If it's WrestleMania 36, that really, really under the radar um, three-way match. It was supposed to be a three-way tag match, but The Miz fucked up some COVID protocols. So it was Kofi versus Jimmy Uso, which where he tore his leg or whatever, versus John Morrison. And they went out there and had a low-key banger in an empty arena at like four in the morning on a Wednesday afternoon or a Wednesday night. So that's a, that's like a pretty awesome match that's kind of forgotten about for Kofi. And he was really good in it. Um, a lot of his Ziggler stuff in 09, um, Miz stuff in 09 and 10. Um, just and then I talked about earlier, Brian, the Uso stuff. Um, random Cesaro stuff with the kid, with the kid, the kid, <laughs> Ziggler stuff in 12, um, or nine or where I think they feuded 12, twice, 12 and nine. And that really good Jericho match at what pay-per-view was that? Um, one of the clash of Cha or night of champions, one of them, I think Jericho. So maybe like, oh, nine, um, those are what I can really think of. I didn't really go in and look, I should have, but I didn't. But um, those are kind of the ones that I could think off the top of my head. So, but by not me not going really into think, looking about, thinking about it, those are the ones that come to mind. So that's probably a better exercise. What you think about for his best matches. So there's definitely definitely the peak being the Brian 101 match. He brought it. It was legit four and three quarters is what I had it at. So overall, Kofi's work uh, resume versus Tito's resume. It's really what you how you would weigh the eighties and nineties stuff that you talked about versus like the super, super impactful ladder stuff or super exciting ladder stuff or whatever. And the mix of good singles matches that he had, which are mostly mid card stuff. So that's kind of subjective there, but where would you lean Tyler? Yeah, that this, this is a tough call because the best match that either guy has is that uh, Kofi and Daniel Bryan match. After that, um, I'm trying to remember. I remember really loving the New Day and Usos match from the SummerSlam 17 pre-show, yeah. and then Hell in a Cell. But I don't. Hell in a Cell was that 
Woods and I can't remember what, which that was member. Woods and e. Yeah, that was that's Woods what I thought. Because Woods got a lot of cred for that, but the it was Woods and Kofi at day one for that fantastic match to start this year. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that this one is pretty close. I, I would really tend subjective. to. Yeah. How, it, much want, how much do you want to weigh the money in the bank stuff? How much do you want to weigh the weigh the um, the TLC stuff? It's it's tough. It's tough. How much do you want to weigh the New Day stuff? It's really. I would say Kofi's resume is more impressive um, and deeper, but. Tito's resume may be more impactful. It's, but then again, Kofi Mania helps him a lot with that too. So it's, it's really hard. This is kind of the biggest give and take, in my opinion, between the, the two, all the 10 categories that I went over is the resume. Yeah. 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 So for me, I will give the nod to Tito uh, partly because there's a little bit of a, I'm taking a little bit of a, a leap of faith that, these are the these are the matches we have on tape from house shows or whatever. I just kind of fill in the blanks and think he was doing that most of the time, more times than not, uh, for better or for worse. And so the advantage and disadvantage that the current guys have is they've got everything on tape. So you know, yeah, and, and, I would say that when Tito was relied upon to be more of a main event attraction within those house shows, it delivered more than when Kofi was asked to be a main event attraction. So that's why I would maybe give Tito the slight upper hand in that category. Yeah. And I think this is another one of those. It's going to depend on your personal preference. You know, like we said, they have similar bodies of work, but they just get there in very different ways. So that's, that's why I was so interested in in comparing these two two wrestlers. On my end, I'm going equal sign on both. So as we wrap it up here, um, let's just do a quick rundown. Longevity, we gave the edge to Kofi. Charisma, we went equal. That's that's on you, man. Well, however you want to look at it. Uh, <laughs> star power, we gave the, the edge to Tito. Um, flexibility, we gave the edge to Kofi. Uh, Storylines, we gave the edge to Tito. Peak moments, we gave the edge to Kofi. Promos, we went <laughs> negative. <laughs> but equally negative. Equally negative. Um, character work, I think we gave the edge to Kofi slightly. But that's an, again, that's a subjective look. Uh, work rate, we went Tito slightly. And then resume, sheesh. We're gonna, we went equal, but... Hell, I I kind of want to go Kofi. You kind of want to go um, Tito. It's I could either go either way. I'm gonna go Kofi, but if you want to go Tito, I don't think you're wrong. Yeah, yeah, I I think that comes out to be pretty close to equal because we tied on on several of them. So so you have as we put a bow on this, you have them in the early 40s right now in your rough draft for 2022 GWWE. Yes. So I have them 40. I have Tito at 40 and I have Kofi at 41 on my working draft. So I'm sure I'll change my draft a hundred times at least, but I don't know that I'll, I mean, 
those two may not change. They may stay or they may move up and down together. I don't know. I am way too busy right now to even consider looking at my 2022 GWWE. Yeah. But that is a latter stage thing for me this year, of course. I definitely have Kofi rising from 93, and I have Tito rising from 91, as I alluded to earlier. But, Tyler, this has been a blast, man. I can't wait for guys to kind of use this system to chat about their GWWE. Oh, absolutely. I, you know, I'm looking forward to maybe doing a couple more of these, and I'm looking forward to hopefully hearing from some other people that, you know, want to make their, their case for some of their favorite guys and, and why – you know, why they feel like they're worthy of the top 100 spot. For whoever versus whoever in my Boston accent. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is this is really, this is endless. It could be next time, it could be Tito versus Rick Martell, and it could be Marcus versus Tim. <laughs> you know what yep. I mean? Or yep. it could be Kofi Kingston versus, it could be Kofi Kingston versus Dolph Ziggler. It could be Peter Winston versus whoever. I just want to say Peter Winston <laughs> and Dolph Ziggler. I mean, the, the idea and the crust of this idea we had for a podcast so tyler thank you very much for doing this it's been a blast thanks ryan all right guys catch you soon thank you